Hello and welcome to the Advanced Screening. My name is Justin Corbett and I'm joined, as always, by my regular co-host, Tom Kelly. How are you, Tom? Back for week two. Who would have thought? We made it. The, the reviews are in, the people have spoken, they demanded an episode two, and here we are. They are infected. <laughs> That's a um, good segue to get away from our usual preamble because uh, this is ep two. There's no point going through all that again. Let's jump straight in uh, to easily the biggest show in the world at the moment. And uh, it's only 2023, but I was going to suggest it's going to be on everyone's top shows of the decade in another seven years' time. That's The Last of Us. Uh, we missed ep four, but ep five has just come out. So give me a kind of top line thoughts of. Eps four and five as a whole in the show. I thought it was a really interesting week for Steve and Todd working their way through the subcontinent. Steve stands alone as a lone figure <laughs> in the vast vastness of the landscape and with a young child of Todd Murphy, who may or may not lead to the future. We don't know. <laughs> and we're, of course, talking about the last of us in terms of cricket because goddamn that was just as dire as watching the last two episodes of the tv show the last of us brutal uh, i think cordyceps are growing through that wicket or the australian change room do you think um the doctoring of the pitch that occurred before the test match was as bad as a yeast infection brought on by mushrooms <laughs> um no, no yeast infections are pretty bad eh? <laughs> They're nasty, man. They're really hard to get rid of. Um, sorry, I, I, I chucked this on a sort of a curveball there. Um, no, we, we kept it yeah, going. We, we talk- kept it going. Tell me, what, what, what happened? Todd Murphy is our new Lord and Saviour, uh, and Steve Smith Todd, tries his Todd best. Todd Murphy took eight for Steve Smith, had a go, and everybody else was shit. Um, I, I did think, I messaged you on, I think, Thursday afternoon, and I said, it was during Australia's first innings batting, and it was Steve Smith and Marnus with the crease. And I messaged you saying, like, this is top-tier HBO prestige TV. Steve Smith batting in India is, like, is top. Yeah. You know, it's a real drama. You said it as if they were going really, really well, and I couldn't watch it. So I jumped uh, jumped on to see the scores, and I think Manos was on 12 off about 85 balls, which uh, isn't like him at all. And I thought, yeah, look, this is tough. This is not going to be a good tour. It was tense, though. Every... Every ball felt like it was something that was riding on it and it grafted a narrative to it. Now, we'll get, to, we'll get um, to The Last of Us in the actual show in one second, but I did want to ask you, now that we've brought up cricket, uh, Todd Murphy comes on as a right-arm offie and takes seven for Nathan Lyon, for. the greatest of all time, takes one and struggles. Um, what do you, what, what's happening? What's going on? The greatest of all time takes one. The new young spinner takes seven. Should Lion go? Well, well, the GOAT terminology is actually myth-building. It's not actually true. Um, uh, Lion has also been able to create to garner this sort of role as the GOAT while actually proceeding over no competition at all. It's almost like Mad Men and The Sopranos and then there's nothing else on at the time. It's almost like it's not hard to be the best show on TV when there's nothing else good. So Todd Murphy's the man then? Adios, Lion, at some point. Todd Murphy is streaming while Nathan Lyon is cable TV. Big call. Very big call. <laughs> um, that actually uh, is a good, a good marker for us to actually say what we're doing this episode because I didn't do it right off the top. I just kind of jumped straight in. Ep 2, we're still learning. Sorry. No, no, that's my fault. Um, so we're going to talk about The Last of Us, Eps 4 and 5, real quick. Um, because you can't do a film and TV podcast without talking about this show right now. Uh, and then in the second half, we're actually going to give you some pointers, which is really timely because my family actually sat around on the weekend and had this exact conversation before I even mentioned we're going to talk about it. And that is give you some tips on the streamers that we should be ditching, keeping. Um, we have... Uh, What's worth your time and money given in this economy? In this economy, inflation is on the rise. If you own property, I'm incredibly sorry, but uh, you either have to lose that or lose a streaming service, I think, because we're in that situation. <laughs> and, um, we're going to tell you what's what, but tell me about um, The Last of Us, Eps 4 and 5. Cool. So 30-second recap. 
uh, Joel and Ellie have left sort of like their outer limits of Boston, have on their way to Wyoming, get hit a roadblock in Kansas. Then they run into the free state of Kansas, which is now sort of been freed of Fedra and they've sort of overturned it and they're in a violent revolution. And then what does a violent revolution do? Carry out sort of retribution. Um, and so that's been happening in the background and Joel and Ellie are just like, let's just survive and get through this after Joel has to kill some people. And then it gets to the last episode while they run into uh, a, a, a two brothers yep. and then they try and work their way out and then shit gets bad. Shit gets real bad. Um, I don't know if you know, but this uh, Ep 3 we talked about and we skipped Ep 4. Well, we didn't skip watching it. We skipped talking about it. But Ep 3 um, was HBO's highest rated ever third episode. And everyone's thought, well, this is peak. This is going to be the biggest show of the year. And then Ep 4 increased that viewership by another 15% to 7.5 million viewers. I don't know what Ep 5 has done yet. But um, Ep 5, Ep 4 was great, but I kind of want to just go straight to Ep 5 because they're kind of a, a two-parter. They kind of marry together. and It also goes to what we've been talking about like on the last time and then what we've been talking about prior as well. It's like this is a show that's going to build an audience over time and it already came in with an inbuilt audience of people who know the game and play the game and now it's just become the biggest sort of like HBO success of the year to date so far. And so it's building that audience. And then like by the time this season finishes and then people will binge watch it as well once the show is over, season two is just going to be the big thing. Yeah, and it's pretty – there was a lot of kind of criticism going into Ep 4 that um, this game and subsequently the show should be about Joel and Ellie and their relationship. Um, And we kind of – they didn't meet until the end of the first episode – he spent a lot of time with Tess in the second, then we barely even saw them in the third. But since Eps four and five, like they've done such a good job establishing their relationship to the point that like I was genuinely smiling like ear to ear on my couch at the end of Ep four when she starts telling the jokes and Joel's laughing um, as they're going to sleep. I thought that was so cool. And they're doing it not by needing to solo them, but by putting heaps of incredible characters around them. Like, um, the two brothers, the Kathleen, Kathleen yeah, um, and, Henry. and the two brothers, Sam and Henry. Um, what, like, I know Kathleen is a show creation, but Henry and Sam are both from the game. Yeah. Um, can I just pick up on some of those things you were just saying? Where I think it's really great that it, the world is expanding within the TV show outside of what what we what I knew from the game in that context, where you just played as Joel and that was it and then the whole idea is these sort of stops on the way side where it's um Henry or if it's Kathleen and these sort of stories or they're almost like morality tales of what's going on in this world and they serve sort of a bit of an idea of what's going on in the relationship between Joel and Ellie where the whole idea is and we, we talked about this before that the show is primarily about love and what people will do for love and we get this idea that Joel and Ellie's relationship is starting to form as like almost this quasi uh, father-daughter relationship that we know that Joel used to have and has sort of closed himself on for the rest of the world and then we get this idea that Kathleen was out for revenge at all costs to avenge her brother but then Henry was doing everything he could to save his brother and these are not good or bad people they are just people trying to survive in this world and then on top of that that the whole idea their motivations are born out of the people that they love and care for that was and that's what that's what's happening with joe and ellie at the moment their their relationship as you said just then like the joke book and then also like joel digging like the graves at the end of this episode we're just going to assume you guys have watched the episode whatever yada 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 and the whole idea, Joel would never do that for anybody else, but he does it for Ellie because he cares. Yeah, it feels like um, even uh, when Tess died at the end of the second episode, he looks at the burning building for two seconds and then walks away and says nothing. Like it feels like in three episodes, we've already got a justifiable growth from Joel. And you said it there, like the, I mean, Craig Mazin, Right, the writer creator of the show um, wrote and created Chernobyl, which we talked about last week. Um, one of the best dramas of the 2010s, 
Do you know what his credits were before he did this? Were you saying something off mic before about like scary movies? Craig, that was that was on the mic check as we we're testing our uh, <laughs> testing our equipment in round uh, episode two. Um, Craig Mazin, before doing Chernobyl, one of the 2010's greatest dramas, and Last of Us, one of the 2020's greatest dramas, was a writer on Scary Movie three and four. Scary Movie three is not that bad. Uh, scary Movie three and four, and The Hangover two and three, and all of those are comedy and pretty junk. And then he's gone and done this and his ability to give us people like Kathleen, Henry and Sam, who we meet in a single episode. Like we saw bits of them last week, but we learned so much backstory about them. We learned Henry and Sam is the whole episode. episode It's insane. We learned so much about them and we learn that there's no good guys or bad guys. It's just people doing, doing something like she's doing this for her brother. Henry's doing it for his brother no good guys, no bad guys. We really understand where they're coming from. And then, spoilers, don't listen to this if you haven't watched it yet, but they all die, and the only people that survive are Joel and Ellie to move on again. And it fucking hurts, like, when they die. Like, it means so much, and you've sat there and watched them for 50 minutes. Like, that's insane writing. That's so good, and it's just such a good show for it. Well, it also speaks to just the unmitigated brutality of the storytelling that's happening here, where it's almost like... And that was that was part and parcel of the game and stuff, but it sits so heavy that the bit where it's almost like where Sam dies, where Henry has to shoot his brother because he's turned and then Ellie is heartbroken because she broke her promise where she was going to stay up all night because she knew that Sam was going to be infected and she was going to ride it out with him and give it hope and stuff. And then it's brutal on the audience, but it's also so brutal on Ellie as well. And I find that there's so much that's happening for her, she's hardened after these two episodes where it was more like she came to Kansas where it's almost like telling the joke. You're so plucky. Love a, love a plucky team. Yeah. And, and then by the end of like episode five, it's like, let's go. Fuck it. Let's like, what's, your, what's your thoughts on a plucky teen or a plucky kid in shows? Did you, uh, did you watch Obi-Wan? Hated it. Nah, so I assume you know we're not a fan of young Leia, young Leia Organa, plucky, plucky oh. child who can outrun uh, several mercenaries at once by sliding through bushes. The problem with that show is why did they show like a 12-year-old and then later on Leia has the exact same personality? It's almost like, did you have no personal progress between 12 and 18 at any point? <laughs> what about... What about... Did, did you just come straight out of the box like this? Uh, meanwhile, Luke's just uh, in the desert just playing with binoculars because he... <laughs> just playing with himself in the <laughs> For desert. For some reason, uh, Leia got to go live as a princess on some fancy planet and Luke had to go live in the dirt. Just sucking down blue juice, mate. Or blue milk, isn't it? Blue milk. Would you rather live on Tatooine sucking down blue milk or um, in the Boston QZ? Boston QZ every day. Fedra Nazis. What are you talking about? And the Empire aren't? That is also true. Yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) Space Nazis versus dystopian Nazis. Um, Giant bureaucracies, both of them. So so Um, the... um, the episode culminates in what people have been clamoring for when they turned up to watch a zombie film, which is a lot of goddamn zombies. And um, the big bloater, for anyone who hasn't played the game, um, there's a big fat boy who gets shot a lot towards the end and just crushes people's skulls. What's a, what's a bloater, Tom? A bloater is, is a person that has survived too long. And it's normally somebody who's quite large and, like, cannot won't sort of like break down so it's obviously just a really big person they've lasted too long so it's like someone Um, i do have like a a difference between someone microdosing and someone going on a five-day psilocybin mushroom retreat maybe or maybe somebody just like used to do like a lot of uh, protein shakes (laughs) i don't know um i do have a bit of a a synopsis of what joel does in that scene if you wanted to hear it because like just really quickly when when you think about it, um, is Joel an Eagles fan? Because he single-handedly destroys Kansas City. Um, uh, we're, we're doing this after the Super Bowl, and I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. No, but my point is just like, does without Joel turning up, does things go to shit? 
to uh, to your original point, uh, I think considering the Eagles lost and Philadelphia fans are notorious nut jobs, they're probably going to go destroy Kansas City. So, yeah. City anyway. so anyway, so yeah, I think I, I think um, all the all the poor people who just got their revolution uh, from Fedra a couple of months ago are going to be really upset at Joel. No, ten days. Ten days. Sorry, I missed the ten day card because those 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 um, things uh, kind of did their job and then turned and headed straight to the city, didn't they? Kansas City's fucked. Yeah. So what I've got for that scene is Joel and the sniper. Joel goes hot route, hot route, hot route to the house. He calls a timeout on the old sniper, then becomes the offensive coordinator in the booth calling plays with the sniper. He buzzes the tower of the run truck, ending their march downfield, and then by doing so, inadvertently causing a blow to blitz on third down, killing off Free State Kansas City's push downfield. Do you know anything that you said? Do you watch American football, Mate, the NFL? I had Madden 2016 once. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea whether any of that made sense because I don't watch it. But um, look, I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> you, hey, buzzing the tower on the run truck. I don't know what that means. The, no, the run truck, that was the, the thing that like he literally snipered and that that's what went down the hole oh, and opened yes, up yes, yes. the gates of hell. It's their fault for Chase much. and Henry and uh, Sam. Or maybe it's their fault because they ignored the big issue, which was actually not running down their enemies, but actually dealing with the biggest problem, which is the infected underground. Which uh, we actually had last week. And um, I thought that we were going to get the infected popping up through the gurgling hole that they showed us last week. So yeah. to get it outside was actually a really good twist and a good surprise because I like they they set it up and it's like oh they're gonna have to get back to this building at some point because that's where all the infected are gonna pop out of and it's like no this truck's sinking and they're fucked and isn't that interesting that like they paint fedra in kansas as the worst of the worst these are like nazis they rape and pillage and do torture people but you know what they did do just like well the nazis made the trains run on time that's not a good thing but they kept them underground. They did. They drove them all underground. And, th- 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 and they kept them there, and then it took 10 days for it to fall, fall apart. So I actually, I, there's some interesting sort of storytelling in there. That's, a, that's actually like the, yeah, the, the, a really interesting point that I hadn't thought of that um, it took, like, they've been going through this whole series kind of being like, yeah, Fedra and government over each are the worst, and they're, they've been killing everyone and blah, blah, blah. And then it's literally like 10 days later, <laughs> infected, take over Kansas City. <laughs> and it, 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 I think like it's almost like, yeah, governments can be bad, but like somebody's got to pick up the trash. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Did you think there was a bit of a January 6th sort of vibe when it was like the We the People bus went past and yeah, stuff? Yeah, and um, much like January 6th, they had nooses on hand to hang the government, if anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> If anything uh, went their way, it's just so happened that um, the people trying to hang Mike Pence didn't get in and grab him the way that they managed to get Fedra. Just a, just a little Christ. grim American politics for your film and TV podcast. Um, did you want to like pivot back and talk about that horror aspect of that whole sort of showdown and what was happening there? Yeah, like I think I, I don't necessarily need it. I love a good post-apocalyptic show that kind of, like I stuck with The Walking Dead a lot longer than I'm sure a lot of people did. But it just means so much more when shit hits the fan and these things start breaking out and you see them going for Ellie and Joel taking the shots and protecting her from from the tower. It means so much more when you haven't had the zombie action for three episodes and you've only had them. And that's the thing, like the the scarcity works where we didn't see them for for a week or two, and then it was almost like here we go, and it's almost like it is jaw dropping. And I liked from again from a game perspective that does not happen in the game whatsoever, and it was such a surprise when that truck started to sink, and then it was almost like my jaw was almost like starting to get lower and lower and lower and hitting the floor once they started coming up. It's like, shit, they're actually doing this. So um, I really like that surprise. Um, I'm not somebody who was into zombies sort of films and TV, but I'm, I thoroughly enjoyed that sort of reveal that was going on there. Um, I was trying to think of another thing. Was there anything you wanted to pick up on? Just um, just Henry and Sam and like, yeah, I think we, I think we said it, but the, the, this show kind of giving you – Two characters, a third if you count Kathleen, and just I, I think 
we we said ep3 was one of the best eps of tv we'd seen in years i think this was possibly even better because it had people are going to be talking about this episode for ages because it had the the two characters, much like Bill and Frank, that you really kind of get to understand, you really care about, you care about their relationship with Joel and Ellie, but then you also have like the grim realities of the, the zombie apocalypse that we actually haven't had for a while. Um, and it kind of mashed it all up into 50 minutes in such a good way that, um, yeah, what do we got? There's This is a nine episode season. So we're over halfway. We got four episodes to go. Um, but incredible i think we we might be looking at a time jump because that's what you, that happened in the game so we went from like autumn to like midwinter in the game where they're sort of trekking outside wyoming so i wouldn't be surprised if we had that sort of time jump. yeah that's not a, um, the that's other thing, not a spoiler as well because that's in the trailers um that they get yeah. they're getting snow soon um the, uh, the the thing i was talking about is i think what's happened in episode four and five and talking about how utterly brutal and heartbreaking some of the things that have happened is that episode three is it becomes really important in the sequence that you needed that sort of lightness and brevity there so to then sort of prepare you for what was going to happen in four and five because if we just went one two four five and it was like misery 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 we are just seeing good characters get shot off every week that it's almost like this might feel like, oh my God, this is really depressing and hard, actually hard to get through where, because they segued that into episode three and it sort of gave a breather for an entire audience. And it actually showed a different context for the world and what winning in the world actually looks like compared to what we're seeing at the moment, which is for a lot of people losing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. It, it, you can't just um, have, you can't, can, you can't punish an audience every week. No. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, that's kind of what a lot of other uh, apocalypse shows have done incorrectly is they, they never seem to find the balance between letting you settle and get to know the characters and then having a lot of carnage and death because they kind of will do one for too long and then the other for too many episodes in a row and one for too long, whereas this just is like balancing it perfectly. Yeah, does that? I, I think that was a really interesting sort of thing that Mason and Druckmann have done by creating that. It makes the show far more palatable and way more accessible for a general audience. Yeah. Um, what we are going to do next is rank your streamers. We're going to kind of talk about their price, talk about what they've got, talk about what we think the best is, um, what you should keep, what you should ditch if you have to ditch any. And um, it segues nice because HBO is on a roll with The Last of Us. Um, after just coming off the back of White Lotus and going soon into succession, uh, which you can all get on binge. So we'll talk about that in a second. And welcome back to the advanced screening. Uh, what we're going to do now is a little bit of a streamer ranking in Australia. Um, Tom, uh, you kind of suggested this. What do you think we should be doing? Well, I think this is an in, we're at an interesting juncture of streaming wars where um, we're going to be talking about it probably in the next couple of weeks that uh, the Australian federal government is now putting in like laws regarding mandatory streaming content that, that we need Australian content by foreign streamers. Um, also, this idea of like streaming because there are more and more every sort of six months or so. And the, the demand for content or sort of prestige content or things that you feel like you need to watch or want to watch uh, is being broken up more and more across the landscape that it's actually becoming really expensive where I think in past people might've had a Fox subscription that might've cost 60, 80 bucks. And now it's almost like people are spending maybe $120 on streaming. And because it's broken up and segmented in that way, you're not really seeing it as an overarching sort of like you're paying $120 for TV a month and you actually might be almost like, that's actually a lot. Yeah, it's, no, it's I mean? no longer like here's your your one Foxtel bill that you get a month that's also tacked on to your internet bill anyway. So it's like it's all bundled. You kind of forget what it is. It's like, well, you don't forget, sorry, when it comes to Foxtel, you, you see the price and you know exactly what you're paying monthly. Whereas um, I think I'm currently paying for three streaming services and they come out at all different times. And like it's you see one and you actually pay attention to an email. It's like, oh, that one's $7. Cool. That's still cheap until you realize that 
there's six or seven of them that you might have spread across your family. It's like, actually, that's probably about $100 when it all adds up. We actually did like a bit of a budgetary thing and, and slashed pretty much most of them um, midway through last year, just from like a money was tight, yada, yada, yada. And within about like three months, I'd say most of them were back. Oh, really? It was, it was just more like, oh, there's nothing on. You really want to watch this show? Let's just get it. And and you said you said it at the top, like it used to be you had Netflix and maybe one other because all the good stuff was on Netflix. And now they're they're spreading out good shit so much that it's like the the must watch show there could be four must watch shows at once and they're all on a different streamer. And that that's the thing, is like you almost have to pick and choose and Yada yada yada. I don't. We, I don't want to spend too much time in the preface because I think that sets the context. Um, the way I've sort of organised it is looking at it three areas from a necessity. What things do you really want? You know, wh- how do you want to consume your content? Things that are then like a luxury, where it's almost like, sure, that's good. I'll have that without really thinking about it. And then there's things where it's almost like, is this really worth it? What am I paying this for? Do I actually need this thing? Yeah, so sense? we'll yeah we'll break it down um, from our point of view. We haven't actually uh, cross checked our list, which I think would be good. Um, and we'll kind of throw out our personal yeah must haves. And if you're kind of thinking of budgeting and getting rid of some, or you don't have one and you want to get another, um, hopefully this will help a bit. Um, so what's what's your what's your number one streamer that you think so- like everyone should have? I've got KO because oh, come in on. winter. No, absolutely. <laughs> because sport is intertwined within it. You're actually like, I can't watch shit through ads anymore. Like, and streaming has changed that. And it's also changed viewing habits and sport as part of that. I am not going to sit through ads and I'm going to want to watch Australia in India and I'm going to fork out 25 bucks to do it. So it already takes a chunk. Um, it's if you're an dude who likes sport, sport <laughs> in winter you're gonna have it um to and, our, and if, I, if i can just quickly if i can just quickly say to our um two listeners in the people's republic of china and our one listener in belgium according to our analytics last week on I episode one i reckon they're australians overseas um i don't know anyone over there so i don't know how they would have found this podcast but if they're not australians um Ko is a sports streamer. Just, just, so just, just for the people's Republic of China. It's Fox Sports, pretty much. Um, no, I don't actually. Um, I think my dad's currently paying for Ko, but I've never <laughs> logged onto the app at all. You've never used it, okay? I've right. never used it. I know it's good. I know you can watch like the, the the breakdowns of a of a game, like in ten minute, five minute chunks and stuff. Like, I don't really use it for that. It's just like it's access to premium content, which is like Australia and India, or if I want to watch a footy team, a specific footy team or a specific game in the middle, middle winter, it's there. It's the only place you can watch it, unless you want to go to a pub. And that's getting harder and harder because I went to the Vic on the Park and paid $12 for a grifter. What the fuck? Um, did you give them your KO login? <laughs> fuck me, right? <laughs> um, no, so so th- that's beside the point. We can move on from that. But like sport is part of that streaming network too. Um, so after that, straight away, I've got Binge. Binge because it's got the HBO slate, just as how you've said before. We can talk about that at length. I don't want to waste too much time with that. But we know what Binge is, which is pretty much the Fox Entertainment package. Yeah, well, you let's know, let's let's talk about them as we go through them. Like um, Binge was my number two. Um, it's, yeah, HBO, Sunday nights in America, um, Binge in Australia is the people bringing you uh, House of the Dragon straight into The White Lotus, straight into The Last of Us, straight into Succession. Like, if you have Binge from November 2022 until June 2023, you have an episode of one of the best shows on TV every single week for six and a half months. My only thing is that it does have, like, a good back catalogue. Like, my partner Sam, she'll watch, like, great bits, great British Bake Off will not watch some of the HBO comedies like uh, Avenue 5 and stuff like that where it's it's fine, it's whatever. It's a nice thing to sort of tune out to at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. Um, our flag means death. 
Uh, what show. we do in the shadows. Yeah, you Great know what I mean? Like these, I can't believe I forgot those. Good sort of like shows that you might want to watch at like 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night before bed. It's like a good sort of like, this is funny, this is nice, I'm done. I did not put What We Do in the Shadows Season 5 on my most hyped list for this year. That is there an incredible show if you haven't watched that. Um, but like, and they have a pretty good the, movie catalogue as well. Like, I don't, like the movies, it's almost like I don't really use it for that. Um, and then it's got some Australian content. I haven't watched a lot. Like, for example, like Mr. Inbetween, people rave about it. And it's like one of the, apparently one of the best Australian shows in the last decade. But it really hasn't found an audience. And is that because it's buried on Foxtel? Or is it because it's a certain sort of show? If that was on maybe the ABC or if that was on Netflix, would it have a different audience? Does that make sense? Yeah, we, um, we kind of mentioned it um, last week when we were talking about the quotas um, for a couple of minutes where it's like these shows that will hopefully start going on Netflix um, and Amazon and stuff like that they're probably going to find a much bigger audience. Um, and I remember when Binge first came out, I thought it was just Foxtel for a streamer, um, which it kind of is. It's Foxtel for a yeah, streamer. Yeah, that's, that's really um, is. It's, it's, it's still under the house of like like Fox and like News Limited. It is like, it's Foxtel. Yeah. But, but for the streaming price. Pulling in some of the best shows in America. Um, well, that, this is the interesting thing that I can, I, if I can deviate just for a second, the whole thing I think is interesting is that HBO, Warner Brothers, Discovery, this mega conglomerate organization are going through such a rapid change with their takeover. They're canceling shows. They're looking at restructuring and there is chat, but I think it's rescinded more in the past fortnight, but around January, December, the chat was the whole idea. HBO Max was actually going to get folded up and that they were going to package it up as a brand new app, that it's going to be everything all in the one, and it was going to go global. And the holiday, HBO, Discovery, Warner Brothers would all be under the same sort of house, pretty much. And that would be there to rival, you know, everything else. And it's just another streamer entering the market. But if that came into a market in the Australian context, binge automatically just becomes a pretty redundant. Yeah, I don't know if they're... I read today that they're probably not doing that anymore because they realise that the um, mums and pops who love watching, I don't know, River Cottage or um, Bake for My Nan or whatever shows are on Discovery these days, renovate with Rob, um, don't want to pay the extra fees to watch House of the Dragon or White Lotus. So they kind of got that feedback and they're probably not going to merge at all, but something will happen to binge. Um, just because of the merger in general, let alone... Well, that's the street. thing. It's almost like... Because these are two organisations that Fox in Australia gets the rights and bids for the rights of HBO and they get it. But if HBO rights are off the table in Australia and are done in-house, that makes Fox really obsolete in a TV market streaming context because all they've got then is just vast amounts of like unwatchable quantity they've got they bat deep but nobody's really watching it yeah i think um in terms of fox as a foxtel um i think with binge and ko foxtel is pretty much obsolete anyway so it's like how if they lose the shows on binge what are they going to do so that's interesting um my number one because binge was number two i think he's going to be pretty high on your list and that's apple tv plus oh it's not no let me vouch. Where'd you have it? What's like the price how? point of Apple as well? I think that's important. So Apple TV Plus is only $10. It is the second cheapest streamer in Australia at um, $10. And yet, like, you're not paying for a catalogue. You're not paying for films. You're not paying for a legacy TV shows. You're only paying... For their original production shows. Yeah, don't don't get Apple going there thinking that you're going to have like crazy choices of movies or TV shows. But pretty much every show that they make is top tier. I can get a no. thumbs down. Is that because of shrinking? Uh, well, I don't like Ted Lasso. So, and I know a lot of people do, and I'm clearly in the minority. Um, and then shrinking. It's fine. Harrison Ford is, again, just the best thing in it, maybe just because he's Harrison Ford. And I like watching late career Harrison Ford. But, like, I, I just – it's fine. It's wallpaper TV. Did you um, um, did you hear that they 
gave the creators of that show sent the script to Harrison Ford as a joke, and he responded saying, "This is the best script I've ever read." Yeah, it's that sounds like Harrison Ford like careers. Just like I'll do anything because I'll just try something new. If you, you know if you kind of across like just general chat, um, yeah, Ted Lasso is massive, just not in Tom's household. Um, uh, what else is on it? Severance? It's, Ted Lasso um, is one of the biggest sort of comedies to really come through in the last like three years or so. Like if you count like White Lotus, where is that a comedy? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Um, where Ted Lasso is an out and out sort of sitcom. Um, I don't love it, but maybe that's because I'm coming from a really narrow perspective of like English sport and things like that. And then I found it was a sort of a bit cookie cutter repetition. And I do find some of their shows hit and miss. Like some of them are great. Like Severance was easily one of the best shows of last year. And then like Foundation was cool and For All Mankind is fine. But then there's just shows that are just like, does this hit? Really? What I what I love is that they're making shows like Foundation and For All Mankind and Severance where Apple has all the money. They have no problems with money. They're a tech company and they're not really a streaming company. So they can just essentially pay creators kind of whatever they want and just put money into it. So it's it's still... Did you watch the morning show? Oh, no, I did not. That was a basket fire of a thing. Yeah, that was just kind of, look, we're launching with three of the biggest stars in the world. They are... Some of the stuff they do is great and some of the stuff they do, they completely miss, I find. Or it just doesn't relate to what I really want to watch. And so that means because they don't have a catalogue... It's almost like if I don't like their slate for February and March, what am I paying for right now? Because I'm not going to watch your shows or I'm going to watch them, but it's almost like it's I could easily watch something else on another service. It's just that I'm trying to validate to myself to pay $10 <laughs> to Apple so I can then bundle my Apple TV with my sort of like Apple sort of drive shit that I have to pay for too. Are you telling me that you're um, never going to go back and watch Oscar-winning film Coda? Coda was great, but I've good. watched it once. Okay, do, I, good. do I need to watch it again? No, nobody needs to watch it again, but it was I, I saw when it, it came out. I, no, but I watched it before. It was, I, was almost like, I also think that's an interesting thing where the theatrical release is sort of on a streamer sort of diminishes it as a film. Yeah. Like we can talk about that in another episode. I think that's a good thing to sort of chat um, do you have any yeah, more I, must keeps? I've got so you you said Ko and binge. I've gone binge and Apple TV Plus. What's another must keep on yours? I think Netflix, just because of its deep catalog. Like, I don't love what they're doing at the moment from a business strategy. That it's just bulk reality. Um, they are throwing darts at a board. They are cancelling shows. They don't really give a shit. They're not really interested in creating anything really good. What what's the, well the crown was you would say is their big prestige drama, but that was sort of organised under the old sort of hierarchy and that's gone and that stuff like the people who greenlit Queen's Gambit are no longer running the show there. So this idea of high end quality drama and comedy is sort of an afterthought in this organisation and it's very much this global perspective. As we've talked about this before with like eighteen ninety nine getting cut, but it bats deep. It's got bulk shows. 1899. This is Netflix was like way down the bottom of my list because they're just not they're not going to creators anymore. So 1899. Was, Are you burnt from that? Yeah, yeah. 1899 was from the writer and director who's actually a couple um, who made Dark and went to Dark and said uh, went to Netflix and said, "Here's our three year plan for Dark," and they different people at the time greenlit it and essentially let them run out, and that was one of their biggest productions ever. And then they came to them two years later and said, we've got a new show, three-season plan, 1899, and gave them one season, and a month later said, oh, not enough viewers, cut. How do you get enough viewers in one month? Like, let the show run. Yeah, so Netflix, um, their crackdown, just to touch on it really quickly, Uh, It started in New Zealand, um, so we can actually guess what they're going to do in Australia at the end of March and why I'm probably going to cut it pretty soon, is that you literally register which household is going to be watching Netflix and then any other household that you try to sign in on, you'll have to pay an additional $8 a month to have that household 
watch Netflix. Um, if you want to travel and log in anywhere, you have to go through a whole online process of getting a one-time access code to log into Netflix at an Airbnb or at a hotel. So I do find most Airbnbs and hotels will actually just give you Netflix, though. They won't be able to anymore because they'll have too Why many. Why not? Because they'll they're all on a single IP address because of their Wi-Fi, so they won't be able to have multiple people oh. logged in. So if every single place you've ever gone to, that. Netflix is going to be automatically logged out in at the end of March and you'll have to get a one-time code to log into your Netflix account when you're traveling. And then on top of that, every single household that you want to share your account with has to pay an additional $8. See, I'm not so fussed by this because I, I don't share... I'm not a giver of codes where you obviously are a hoarder oh, of them. I hoard the codes. This is my, I've got every single streaming service and it's split between three different families I know. <laughs> um, so you are the problem really. I'm where the problem. I am. Apparently it's about 100 million people they reckon are using Netflix without paying for an account. So they're obviously, rather than just making good content What's and that keeping from this, a revenue standpoint do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I can do the quick math where Netflix in Australia now is $17 for the standard package. So what's 17 times $100 million? So they're in, in Australia alone, if the uh, details are correct, that about 100 million people, well, actually, that's worldwide, but it's like $1.7 trillion around the world lost every that's year. That's a lot of lost, lost revenue. I don't, I'm not surprised that they're doing that. Well, as... Um, and someone... on top of that, somebody's actually got to end up... This We're at a precipice with the sort of streaming economy that like Wall Street has backed these companies. It's like, go make content, go make content, drive subs. But at the end of the day, who's going to pay for this huge wall of content as well? And it's almost like because last year we had that sort of moment where Netflix lost subscribers and actually had a mini sort of stumble on the stock market. Had a heart attack. The whole idea is our streaming ecosystem is changing because actually these organizations got to figure out how to pay for it where for Amazon and Apple, they're not streamers. They're, they're tech and retail companies that are, have a dalliance with streaming where Netflix is, that's their prime business. Yeah. Um, so I had one more in my must keep. Um, and Jeez, you got a few. Uh, three. Go on though. You had three. I've got okay. three. Yeah. I had a sport though. You had a sport. Um, Disney Plus, um, because I'm not quite out on the new Marvel experiment quite yet. Um, if Disney Plus keep churning out Star Wars shows like The Mandalorian and Andor, um, and then just give me a Marvel show that they tell me I have to watch to keep understanding the universe, that I'm going to have to keep watching <laughs> Disney Plus pretty much. So they've 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 roped me in, and I'm sure I'm uh, one in a few billion people who are still roped. I into think that. as well with Disney Plus is because it brings in Hulu and FX in an international context, where in the US they don't have those. Disney Plus is actually a really good sort of streamer in an Australian context because it's giving you like this big prestige sort of superhero blockbuster stuff with Star Wars and Marvel. This is a big IP, but then. It's bring out really good drama. Like you had the dropout last year. You had uh, the bear. What was the other one? The bear. Uh, the old man with Jeff Bridges was supposed to be really good. Yep. Then there's a range of different stuff coming out. Like Fleischman is in trouble. I had a weird relationship with that show, but I watched the whole thing and the acting was great. Um, Koala Man is just really weird <laughs> Australian content that's popped up on there, which I sort of like. But Justin Rowland is now cancelled from Rick and Morty. Um, yeah, it's it's if you um if you have Disney Plus because you want to watch Marvel, Star Wars, and that kind of stuff, and you haven't actually gone across to the end of the quote unquote carousel at the top, Stars is where all this is found. Um, they don't actually have this in the US because it's split across three different streamers. We're lucky here that Stars is essentially like adult programming in quotation marks, where they have really really good dramas. A lot of good films go in there as well. Um, so Prey last year, we loved that. Prey film. was phenomenal, the Predator prequel. Um, so yeah, if you haven't gone into, if you have Disney Plus and you're looking for films or TV shows outside of 
um, Netflix, yeah, go to click on the stars button because it's pretty pretty great in there. Yeah, it's it's got that big IP, but it's also got this prestige drama thing going on as well. And because it bats so deep there, it becomes a really versatile option where it's almost like it'll have something for you to watch. Yeah. You know, and it's got, because it's coming from 20th century studios, because Disney owns that, it's got, a, its back catalogue is enormous too. Like I think when we first got it, like for shits and giggles, we would put Winnie the Pooh on and shit like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got that big of a back catalogue where it's got The Simpsons, it's got Futurama and shit like that. Not that I'm watching those shows, but it's got big stuff on it. Um, all right, let's breeze through. Do you have any more must-haves? I've got my middle is Apple TV where it's almost like, yeah. if if I don't like the slate that month, what am I paying this for? I do. I and didn't comment. Then, oh, sorry, just to, I didn't comment on how you actually said that, that I do actually agree um, back when we were talking about Apple TV Plus is that it sits there. Luckily, it's only 10. If that kind of increases much more, it might kind of get pushed out because you are completely right that while I think the shows on there are some of the best shows being made, it can go two months without ever getting touched because they don't have yeah. much else. If you're not watching something from it every week, what are you really sort of paying for? Yeah. Sorry, you were saying? Um, the other ones that I've got... In, so in your middles? That, yeah, so Disney Plus and then I had Prime as a, lux, as a luxury where it's almost like, it's fine, I'll cop it because like Prime will have good things on it where the whole idea, like you like the boys, I love the English... Rings of Power is a really high production show where people sort of criticised it, but I found it immensely watchable. Oh, it's very good. Um, the, yeah, Jack I, I, Ryan is really bad, but uh, also really high production value. Um, and I was just about to get into the, um, I think the the boys in these three shows posted like a thing that was that said, welcome to the club. And this is um, Jack Reacher, the TV show Reacher, based on the 27 novel book series, which if you haven't watched it is brilliant turn off your brain and watch dumb but really really good tv um jack ryan which you just mentioned with john krasinski and the terminal list with um chris pratt which is big time macho man i am just gonna kill whoever i I want and not face any consequences i didn't like any of those shows i hardly watch any of them but they've got things there for me too oh yeah they're, they're a, like it's the, a market. the English was phenomenal with Emily Blunt. It's got diversity. There's a range of things that are going to pop up, up on it. And they're also, it's a streamer that's also going to take a couple of risks as well. So there's going to be different things sort of turning up there. And it's got sort of a film backing because they've bought, I think it's Lionsgate. So yep. they've got that sort of a film will pop up that was in the cinema recently that'll just be on there too. Um, the other one that I've got... Oh, before you go away from Amazon Prime, yeah. um, the thing that's keeping it firmly in the luxury for me is its $7 price tag. It's the, cheap. The it's, cheapest, and it's so easy to keep. The cheapest streaming service in Australia for the shows that they're making um, and the money they're putting into something like Rings of Power, even Wheel of Time. I don't know if you watched Wheel of Time last year. I didn't, but like I respect that they're putting money into it shows. It was good. I've never heard of the books. I sat down and watched it. It was it was really good. They're putting more money into the second season of that, which should be out soon, and it's $7. Like, yeah. Um, the other two that I've got here is, um, these are my pass, where it's Stan. And Stan is taking on sort of like NBC Peacock, where... It's got um, Poker Face at the moment. That's something I really want to watch. But there's nothing else on Stan that I really want to watch. Um, its catalogue is getting weaker every year because it's sort of getting siphoned off because new sort of streamers are coming into the market. So they'll say, I'll take my IP back. I'll take my IP back and have it on my service. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Stan, unfortunately for me, even though it's the Australian... Australian-owned streaming company. So it's owned by half... Well, it's owned by Nine, which is... Originally, it was owned half by the Fairfax Papers and half by Channel Nine. And now Nine is just like a big sort of media organisation where it's TV, radio, streaming, and newspapers. Yeah, stands in the bin for me. Um, It's going to be the first one that we cut. It hasn't had a, a good original show in a while. It's easily got the most films out of any of these that we're talking about, but how often do you just get annoyed at yourself scrolling through streaming service films as opposed to actually knowing what you want to watch? And I didn't know this until we looked at the prices to do this, but Stan's $16 a month. That's like... Is it? That's more than twice as much as Amazon, more than Disney+, Plus, more than Apple TV, almost the same price as Netflix. 
I don't know how they managed to get away with sneaking up that price, but I did not know that. That's not cheap. Yeah. And then it comes with a sports package, which pushes it almost to $30. It's not cheap. I like some of the original productions that they have, but sometimes I've watched some of them and they're just, again, hit and miss. Um, and some of them are like, for example, Bump was a season one was really good. Season two was a bit like whatever. So um, the, the other one that I've got, I've probably, we should wrap it up in a sec, but uh, Paramount, which I've been watching at the moment, Yellow Jackets is great. It does have a list, but it's still a bit of a, I'm not sure what I want from this. Yeah, I'm um, currently deciding uh, whether I need to get Paramount Plus to watch the second season of Yellow Jackets. Um, Paramount Plus was like two weeks old when Yellow Jackets season one came out. So I. Why don't we share it? We could split it. I don't know. Let's split they, Paramount. They're going to hunt us down for password sharing. It's also only $9 in Australia. So I don't think we need to split the $4.50, but maybe. Um, but that that's an organization. So Paramount coming in Australia and now Paramount in the States have combined with Showtime. And so Tell Showtime, them the incredible name. Oh, was it Paramount with Showtime is called the streamer? The streamer will be called Paramount Plus with Showtime. It's not like powered by Showtime or something like that. I think that would be cooler. Um, <laughs> but the whole idea is a lot of prestige dramas that were on stand are now going to move to Paramount just because that Showtime banner is going to move under that sort of CBS Paramount sort of family under that streamer. So, again, more content that Stan is probably going to lose over time too. Yeah, and um, I don't have Paramount. I'll probably need to get it for season two of Yellow Jackets after I talked that show up last week. Um, the only other thing I had on my list, which I don't have, um, is uh, BritBox, which is the real uh, real boomer streamer. Um, just good old English crime um, and drama coming over from the UK it's $9, which seems a bit steep for that kind of thing because most of those shows end up on other streamers anyway. Like Sherwood was a great show that was on um, Binge. Binge. Um, Vigil was a great show that was on uh, Binge. That was Binge, that was well, binge yes. as well. So I actually, actually all the great British shows that uh, I watch um, are on Binge. Uh, so I don't know what BritBox actually has. I think they've got an original production wizard um, from the guy from Succession. Tom. Tom Wamsgans. Is it James? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, his name's Matthew McFadden. Yeah. He's in an original production, but again, like pure boomer TV. But there is a market for boomer TV. I've got a lot. I've got a bone to pick with boomer TV, but I think that better stay for next week. <laughs> so um, we can wrap it up there. I think we're kind of, to summarize, we're looking at um, KO. Apple TV, Touch and Go, Netflix, you kind of got to keep because it's the big one, but keep an eye on it. Like something's going to happen. They're going to start doing this password sharing. I think a lot of people are going to drop off. Um, Disney Plus, Star Wars, Marvel, and your stars, Banner, um, and Amazon Prime for the price. Yep, I, I, I concur with that. I've got no issues with that. Um, I think I'm, I'm ready to wrap this up if you're ready to buzz the tower. Yep, let's do it. Hopefully um, our... Breakdown of streaming services has helped. If you need to cut anything from your life in the coming months, and thanks for listening to the Advanced Scream. We'll catch you next time.